You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast. Last week's sermon, Darren talked on wandering in the wilderness. So with us today, Pastor Darren Enns, how you doing? I'm doing good. Got rested up after my big, big sermon. Yes. Pastor Drew Tarwater, how you doing today? Hey guys, very good. Always good to be with you. Good, good. I'm Rob Lazzi. And if you have questions you want to send us, send them to us at life at forefrontchurch.tv. Or if you're at church on Sundays in Forefront, you can drop them off in the boxes in the back in the worship center or the sanctuary from last week or whatever you guys want to call it, the, the room where I guess the worship center. So send us the questions. We'd be happy to answer any that come in. So Darren, you preached last week, Wandering in the Wilderness. Recap that for us. What was Help us out where we were. Yeah, so yeah, I preached on from Numbers, uh, chapter 13 and 14 specifically, talking about uh, where the where Moses sends in 12 spies into the land of Canaan, and they come back. There's 10 that have a bad report and two that have a good report. There's two are Joshua and Caleb. And the people of Israel end up listening to the wrong report. And what I talked about, is, uh, why that happened was, one, that they forgot that the presence of God was really with them. And it's a recurring theme that they they want to go back into Egypt. They're grumbling in the wilderness. You know, at least we had food. At least we had shelter. At least we were alive back in Egypt. And they had no faith in God to really take them into the promised land, which is where they're, they're a bunch of giant warriors, and they got scared. And so they they were listening to the wrong voices. And, and that led to um, God giving them essentially honoring that that choice like they they were about to kill um moses and and aaron their leaders and and go back to egypt and then god honored that choice that they made of course didn't allow them to do that um he showed up in a big way at the at the tabernacle and caused them to stop that but then he 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 cursed them essentially to wander around in in the wilderness until that entire generation of people who made that choice passed away how far how, a, a new generation how long away from like say the parting of the red sea like the exit of leaving egypt to where they're at today to where they're about ready to kill moses and aaron like approximately what's that timeline look like oh yeah i it's at least a year okay i would say maybe maybe a year and a half i i think someone's probably done some better math to be more exact than that but the reason we know it's at least a year is that in exodus 9 is that right? I think they, they celebrate a Passover again. So the first Passover was as they were leaving Egypt, and then they crossed through the Red Sea, uh, and then there's a several-day, several week-month journey to Sinai, and then they're at Sinai for a long time. Like, the past four sermons we, we've had have been at Mount Sinai. A lot of stuff happens there. And then on the way, they, they get ready to leave, and they celebrate another Passover. So it's at least a year. Okay. Probably a couple, several more months. Okay. So not overly that long before they get, I mean, a year is pretty long time, I guess, to start grumbling about being stuck out in the wilderness. Yeah, if you think about it, they grumbled the whole time. So <laughs> as they're yeah. getting ready right to cross the Red Sea, they're grumbling because, you know, here is the army of Pharaoh 
gunning, you know, gunning after them. And then they get across the Red Sea and then now they're, they're thirsty. And so the water's bitter. Then they get to a little bit further and they're grumbling because they're hungry. And now there's manna. And then they grumble because Moses is on the mountain for too long. You just see this, this trend. And, uh, it, you know, and I, I get tired after camping for one night on the ground. They camped for a year. So, <laughs> you know, I do understand. But here's what That's is why I've really... started sleeping in hammocks. Yeah. Is that work, no, is that, is that work, Darren? Like, is that, like we're both it, it bigger guys. Like, I'm always curious. Like, oh, my butt be dragging on the ground. No, you just got to hook it up right. Okay. All right. So hammocks is a way to camp for 40 years and 40 nights. Okay. <laughs> But, it, you know, if you think about it, it is really interesting that just they continue to see God, his presence, his moving in front of them in, in a cloud of fire, or a pillar of, of cloud. And, you know, it just over and over again, they saw God move and God bring miracles and God continue to provide. And yet they continue to grumble to the point here where God continues to say, let's go take the promised land. This is what I've raised you out of Egypt for. This is your new home. And they say no. And, and they, they refuse to go uh, to the point where they're going to they're gonna kill Aaron and Moses, the two guys that rescued them out of slavery. Shows you how fickle our faith can be sometimes, or, or even you can see things right in front of you and how quickly fear causes you to forget God's goodness. Well, I, there's two points in there I wanted to bring up. Or first off, where you have, like, I don't know, like... My wife and I talk about this. Like sometimes you go, I just need the God experience of something like a miraculous thing happening, and it just sort of would help out my faith. And here you're talking two years away from where they saw all the firstborn killed in Egypt. The plagues come through, the crossing of the Red Sea, the you know the you know the the right. God parade at Mount Sinai, and then they're going, yeah, I still don't want to trust this guy. Like there's still like there's still these you know. It doesn't matter what's shown to us as humans. Sometimes we're still kind of like, yeah, you know, like, is it? Am I far off base here? No, you're, you're. It's really arrogant of us to think that because we, like, if we would have been in that their situation, we we would have believed. Like, we would have faith. How could they do that? But we have the final story. We know how it plays out, and it's really arrogant um, for us to think that we would we would do any better. Well, it's a lot like us thinking that if we were in Adam and Eve's shoes in the garden, we would not have eaten the papaya or the mango or, you know, what's not, you know, obviously not an apple. But, you know, you think fruit. about that, like <laughs> how many of us, either us or a friend close to us said, you know, God, if you can just fix this situation, I'll do whatever you ask. God, if you can just let her take me back, I will pray every morning and I will become a missionary to Zimbabwe or, you know, <laughs> South if, if America. You me, if you get me out of this foxhole, I'll, I'll become a Christian. Yeah, exactly. And, and then God provides, God moves. And all of a sudden the next week we, our Bible's just as dusty as it was before. And I, I do think you're right, Rob. We tend to think that, you know, if I could just see God in a banner plane, send me a smoke signal and tell me what to do, I'm all in. And then we quickly forget so fast. And I think that's what's happened here in Exodus 13 or Numbers 13 and 14, except to the extreme where they're ready to kill their leaders and march back to, to Egypt because it's going to be easier than facing these Canaanites. No, it's crazy to think that we're like the extreme of the like, hey, this is where we came from. This is where we're at. And this is what we've been promised. And so far, I mean, just they're in like the, the land between right now from from where they were to where they're promised to go. And so it's, I mean, how many times in life do we find ourselves like between jobs, between relationships, between, you know, in those weird spots where you're just like, I just want to, you're tired of that spot. 
And I mean, I, I'm so you can see where the grumbling comes. I was joking with Darren earlier. It's like, I live in a new build area. Like everyone grumbles with, and it's like, everything's brand new. <laughs> they're all grumbling still. It's like, it doesn't matter what you have. There's people who find ways to grumble, you know, complain about, it's some, true. complain about something. So they sent the spies in. There was 12 this time, right? I'm, I'm trying to keep my story straight. You guys are the Bible scholars. I'm sort of just the, the nerd that opens up my Bible less than I should. But uh, at least I'm honest about it. So there's so this time they had 12 spies and the spies come back and they give the reports. And so what what's the consequence here, Darren? Yeah, the 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 story you 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 get confused by sometimes. Not you, Rob, but we. Uh, oh, I, Joshua, I get confused by it. Don't worry. <laughs> well, Josh, Rob gets confused. Easily. Uh, it's, it's Joshua Joshua 2. There's only two spies sent in. Okay. Joshua, Joshua, who is one of the 12 in this story, Okay. when he gets to, to the promised land across from the Jordan River, uh, close to Jericho, he sends only two spies in. It's like he learned his lesson the first time. Uh, you d- don't spend, don't send more than you need. Just, just send two. So last time, this, this time around, two spies were good enough. Uh, and whereas 12, you know, messed it up. sounds um, like what church boards should think of more. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Why, why, why send 12 when two will do? Um, do you guys know that song by the way? Joyce, my, my mother-in-law wanted me to sing it so bad on stage. I have like, no idea. Spies sent, were sent to spy on Kane and 10 were bad and two were good. It's something like, and there's actions too. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, I don't think I know that one. No, I miss, I miss question, that. I, I, I've gotten off. Pace. I missed that one in Sunday school. <laughs> well, the, you know, the idea is, so they, they say, they say we're not going to go in and then God gives them a penalty, right? You know, he takes them to the edge and is this the long- say, no, we're not, we're not going to go. Is this the longest penalty box ever? <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. It's not two minutes for hooking. It's 40 years for faithlessness. And that's what I for wanted to add. Who don't know, this is a hockey reference. Yeah. Just Actually, by the way, it also could be like an Iron Man reference. I've watched my brother's Iron Man once and I saw a penalty box. I'm like, how amazing, like what this guy do to the other racer? Like I did he cross check. I'm like, what's the, but it's like, if like, you're not allowed to draft in Iron Man, it's like off of each other. So if you do, they That's put awesome. you in a penalty box. So sorry, derailed there. But like, so with that, the other question I had then for you guys is this 40 years, it seems like kind of like a harsh penalty. We always talk about God as second chances and, Things and then goes. Oh, you guys don't want to go to the land I promised you. Okay, fine. Here's the penalty box for forty years. Right. When when you put it in in that light, yeah, it definitely seems harsh. Um, but remember, sometimes the the scripture that we read is more fact reporting, and it's hard to to connote emotion through that. So sometimes we'll read a sentence through, and will it won't really affect us. But the the like intent behind that is is massive. So. Yeah, the, the, the penalty, um, as, as you read, especially starting in chapter 14, um, they, they start to get to a point where they're about to kill, to murder Moses and Aaron because they don't want themselves to be murdered by, in wartime mm-hmm. by these mighty warriors. And so they, they think it's better for them to murder their leaders and go back to Egypt into slavery than it is for them to go into this promised land and be killed in battle. And their women and children become slaves and prey, uh, and they're like they're really freaked out. And it gets to an a really extreme point where they are completely against going into going into the the promised land. Yeah, it does feel when you read it just at a you know cursory view that this is a super harsh penalty. So 
it seems like, yeah, when, when we pull out all the background, oh, wow, they don't want to go into the promised land. They're a little scared. They, they need a pep talk. Well, God says to them, nope, sorry, guys, you're going to, ha- none of you get to see the promised land. For 40 years, you're going to wander. And then your children are going to be the ones who get to move into this beautiful land that I promised you. It does seem super harsh, but I think, as Darren just said, as you break it down and you see it was a complete breakdown of faith. And these, these Israelites, they, at that moment, they're on the cusp of going into the promised land. They chose Egypt over the promised land. They chose Egypt over God. They said, let's go back to Egypt. Let's kill our leaders. I mean, we're talking some serious faithlessness, um, not just God, I'm having trouble believing, but like, God, we don't trust you at all. We want to go back into slavery and we're actually going to murder our leaders that you have put over us. So it's complete failure here, complete just falling back into sin. And so God needed to give them a harsh penalty. And the harsh penalty is, well, none of you are going to get to to taste the goodness of this land. And for 40 years, you're going to wander, uh, but your kids are going to get to see it. So God doesn't just, the penalty isn't, nope, forever you're done. You know, the penalty is pretty harsh on surface view, but ultimately you can see why God did that. They obviously didn't want to go in the promised land and they didn't trust God to take them in there. And so God had to deliver a pretty harsh harsh punishment. Um, But what's interesting is if you read the rest of the story, Mm -hmm. the next 40 years, God is faithfully with them. God is faithfully walking beside them. He's faithfully providing the manna. He's faithfully providing water. He's faithfully protecting them against their enemies. And so, yes, God said you can't go in, but God didn't abandon them and didn't, didn't leave them. God continued to walk beside them. And that comes from Exodus or, or Numbers fourteen eighteen, which I spent a decent amount of time on in my sermon. Okay, which which says the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. That's that's God's default position. Uh, but the second half of that verse is yet He does not leave the guilty unpunished. And He He um, the, the NIV says punishes, the ESV says visits the iniquity. Uh, I think ESV is a bit bit softer there, um, based on the Hebrew. Like God does not actively punish. The, the sins, um, it, it's it's more of a passive type thing where, where he allows the consequences of the sin to affect the children. But every generation, as we see in this story, has has a choice to make to listen to the right voice and, and to, to go in. And so 40 years is about the time where an entire generation would have, would have died. Everyone over 20 had perished in the wilderness, and now you have a brand new set of leadership who has, who has a brand new choice. So the, the sins of their parents definitely affects them, and God doesn't stop that from happening. But every generation has a choice to whether or not, or whether or not to let their sin or their parents' sin affect their children, and that that's you know by the grace of God, where it, it only goes to the third and fourth generation there. So then, did the Israelites after those forty years were they were they forgiven? Did they repent? What was their action after that forty years to then gain entry, if you want to call it that? Did they was there a turning point? You know, at there's there's a passage in here, 14 verse 20, that, that kind of blew my mind, and I'm afraid maybe, I don't know if you experienced this if you listened to my sermon, but I kind of dropped a grenade and everything, and then it exploded and didn't clean up the mess, uh, where, where I said, because in verse 20 says, the Lord replied, I have forgiven them, and that's just because Moses asked him to. He reminded him of, of his character, and God says, okay, I, I've forgiven them, um, and, and I'm like, hang on, the... There's no record in the scriptures of the Israelites repenting or, or the Israelites asking for forgiveness or saying like, yeah, we messed up. So was there repentance? Are we supposed to read between the lines or is there something deeper going on here? Um, I'm, I'm kind of going through 
potentially like a paradigm shift as it comes to faith mm-hmm. and, and what that really has to mean. Like faith, if you think about it in terms of, of allegiance, which is how a lot of scholars are starting to describe it now, um, your allegiance, if, if you put it in God, what you're essentially doing is you're, you're putting your allegiance in God's faith, in his chesed, which is a Hebrew word that I talked about, his covenantal faithfulness. And because we obviously can't do that on our own. We have no capacity in and of ourselves without the Holy Spirit to be obedient and have faith in God. And so if we, if, if we talk about this, like it's almost like a reformation type of thing where we put our faith in God. Well, what, what that could also mean is that we're, we're trusting in God's faithfulness to us. And, and it's, it's kind of a different way of describing things. And so I wonder like, how how did how did how why did God forgive these people? Like that's God's faithfulness and His loyal love being shown to His people no matter what. Which I don't know, Drew. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, it's a great it's a great topic to think through. You know, you see in that you see in that text right there that you know God is um, you know Moses is recanting back to God what God told him in, in Exodus thirty four when God hid him in the cleft of the rock and basically preached a sermon to Moses and told him about his character that he's abounding in love that he's faithful that that he's also just. And then, you know, in, in Numbers 14, 19, then Moses says, well, God, please pardon the iniquity of this people according to your greatness. And that's when the Lord says, I have pardoned them according to your word. Um, and so, you know, then we see that, you know, obviously God promises the judgment onto uh, the people at that point. And so I think there's this combination, I, as you mentioned, Darren, you know, God there, there is God's sovereignty, as we've talked about before. God is in control, and then at the same time, we have a responsibility to believe. And so you see Moses ask intercede for these people. Were the people repentful? We don't have, you know, we, we don't have that in the text. Um, are we led to believe that's a good question? You know, Moses goes and intercedes for God, and then God says, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll pardon them. You think about how Jesus intercedes for us. Um, yet we are still called to believe and we are still called to repent of our sin. And so um, I think it, it, there is a little bit left in the eyes of the, of the reader here to say, well, did they actually repent or not? But, but I do think what you said, Darren, is it, it, true about like we are trusting in God's faithfulness to us. And so, you know, we are we have faith, you know, we're Ephesians 2, 8, right? We, we are saved by faith, our faith in God. But part of that faith is that we're trusting God is going to be faithful to us, which is his promise throughout all of the word and throughout you know, the entire Bible. And what we see here with these Israelites is they were no longer trusting in God being faithful to them. They didn't believe God would have their back. They thought they would get slaughtered when they went into the promised land. So I think God, rightfully so, in this moment says, you guys have to judge you for your sin. Um, but at the same time, he, he never... While he doesn't let them into the promised land, he continues to to um, guide them and walk with them and and be faithful to them. So his character stays true. God always stays faithful and abounds in love to his people. But it is interesting, you know, were they repentful? I, I have to think that the way they responded after they did not um, after the golden calf and they were repentful then, and when God said He wasn't going to go to the promised land with them. I have to believe that after God called them out for their sin, they would be that they did repent. But again, we don't have that here in the text, so we just don't know for sure. 
Ironically, the story at the end of chapter 14 is about a group of Israelites who decide to go and fight anyway. <laughs> they, so they, they, they don't repent. In fact, they, they go further away from God's will because it's no longer God's will for them to go in. And yet they, they go up and fight. And we get that record at the end of 14 that they're, they're just completely slaughtered. They're, they're pursued like completely out, out of the country. What a crazy way to think about it, though, in the sense of like we talked earlier, like knowing God's will. Like it was God's will a moment ago. Right. And, and then, then it's that, now it's not. What? And <laughs> did we miss our window? Yeah. How yeah. does that apply to us? Right. Well, the difference was God wasn't going to go with them, you know? So God, if he was with them, then they would have defeated the Canaanites. If, but since they went on their own without God, because he had then hit them with the punishment, they were in the penalty box. And so God wasn't <laughs> out there with them. They, you know, they couldn't be successful. So yeah, it really just talk about a quick change of events how fast things uh, pivoted. Because I got to imagine the group that went to go fight thought they were more faithful than the rest. Maybe. Yeah. And yeah, they, they, were, they were dismayed. They mourned that they, they couldn't go up. And they, they, here's the thing. In verse 40, it seems like they repent. Here's what verse 40 says in the NIV. Early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country, saying, now we are ready to go up to the land the Lord promised. Surely we have sinned. That, that kind of has an air of repentance almost. And then Moses says, no, why are you disobeying the Lord's commands? Don't go up. The Lord is not with you. You're going to die. And they, they, again, don't, they don't listen to the right voice. Moses is the one who listens to God and, and does his will. Um, but the people just totally miss it at every turn here. Oh, crazy thing about it. Speaking of Moses and penalty boxes, why was he more, <laughs> more or less denied entry into the promised land? Like, what was Yeah, the- you know... You, you just you see how fast this thing changes, how it kind of unravels. And so seven chapters later in Numbers 20, you see that God instructs Moses to strike a rock for water to be dispersed for the people to drink. And Moses basically gets kind of, but doesn't do it the way God says, gets kind of mad at the people and in anger, he strikes the rock twice with his staff and then water came out. But because of this, because Moses did not honor God and follow God's commands, Moses is told that he's going to get to see the promised land, but he'll never get to go into it, which is really interesting. And again, you look at that and you go, well, wow, God, this is Moses. He's your guy, and he's the guy that you've trusted this entire time, and it, obviously not perfectly. That's a pretty harsh punishment that Moses isn't going to get to go in the promised land because he hit the rock twice instead of once. But again, I think it is what we talked about earlier. As you begin to look deeper into this, you see that it's not just that he hit the rock twice. I mean, there was pride, there's anger. He's done a he has misrepresented God. Um, he's done a lot of different things over the course of his time. And finally, I think God says, "Okay, Moses, you know this is really the last straw." And at this point, we're going. You're not going to get to go into the promised land either. Now, remember, Moses is is going to be 120 by the time they go into the promised land anyways. And so he was ready to go home. Um, but, but you see that even though God says, Moses, you don't get to go in, God is still with him the entire time too. God is still faithful with Moses. It's almost like saying, hey, you don't get ice cream after dinner because of the decision you made today, but we're still going to watch a movie. You know, I still love you and I'm going to be with you. And we see that with God's faithfulness to Moses. But yeah, really in those seven chapters, you see that neither Moses nor that generation of Israel get to go in the promised land because of their unfaithfulness to God. So here, here's my observation of, of this passage. Um, and 
the the sin of Moses is is more than just striking it twice. I, I just saw this up in verse eight. Um, the, the key is that God tells Moses to speak to the rock and Moses strikes it. So um, this was something fun that I, I learned about ancient Near East, Israel, like in that area. Shepherds, because it was a desert, they had to have creative ways of getting water and striking rocks in sp- strategic places. They knew where some springs were that, that, that water would fall out for their flocks. And so this kind of was a common thing. And so, um, but the thing is God providing enough water for the entire camp through this one rock, that, that is, is, you know, a type of miracle in there. But um, in Exodus 17 is where we, we see the first occurrence, like where, where this happens. And, and Moses is faithful. He strikes the rock. But here in Numbers, God commands him to speak to the rock and it will pour out its water. But Moses, as Drew said, gets angry. And then what he says in verse 10 is, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? What Moses is doing, he's not actually giving credit to God. He, he in his frustration, he he ends up taking credit for it himself, and he doesn't speak to it, which would be a crazy, miraculous thing showing God's power. He instead strikes it like he did the first time, which doesn't allow the Israelites to see the power of God again. And that that's why this is a, a bigger sin, and mm. can, it can make more sense why Moses also was not allowed to go up into the promised land. And what's interesting, if you think about it, when God tells this to Moses in, uh, in Numbers 20, verse 12, he says, you do not believe, he says to this, he says, and the Lord said to Moses, verse 12, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land I've given you. And so what you see is, is there's, the, and again, it's, it's, the, it's the idea of faith. You know, he put himself in that place, and and like you said, Darren, you know, he, um, you know, his comments of we and us and must we bring water out of this rock, and so he s- stole that from God basically. Um, and then you'll see that Moses does not complain. He he doesn't complain. He doesn't say anything ag- to God about this. He just says, "You're right." Like you could tell, he he was he recognized the sin. He was convicted about this and he faithfully just led the people of God for 40 years after that. So I think Moses, if you and I were interviewing him today and we're like, Moses, tell us about the situation. Was this a harsh penalty? I think Moses would say, no, I, I deserved it because, because of my frustration and my sin and my anger, I didn't faithfully believe and follow what God told me to do. And so I think he would, he would accept the punishment that he had as not being too harsh, but as being just. No, it's interesting to think about it like that, especially when the on the bigger picture of everything going on. And in the next few verses as we move along is like in the storyline here, there's the, the it's the popular Sunday school story with the donkey talking with Balaam's prophecies. But help me out with that story a little bit, uh, Darren, is like the Israelites are, you know, they somehow continue to keep grumbling. I can't believe they right. would, right? Yeah, the Israelites continue to grumble. Like they're down in the plains of Moab, and we hear all these stories about them, you know, kind of not doing great things. That they are still still grumbling, and they actually have some successes in battle. However, they defeat Sihon and Og, and some of the Israelites actually start to settle in some of this land. And when when they come to the plains of Moab, I think that's where it is, like Exodus nineteen. Yeah, the journey to Moab. They, they're camping here, they have some battles, and the king of Moab, uh, whose name is Balak, or Balak, whatever, uh, he summons this guy named Balaam, and Balaam is a, 
he's like a divine curse warlock hmm. kind of guy or a diviner i guess and balak wants balaam to speak curses over israel however god will not allow this to happen and this remember this is completely out of the sight of the israelites in the moment they don't know this is going on and so god is protecting them even while they're grumbling and being like super depressing in the camp hmm. about their situation so god's protection and and uh yeah, blessings are with them. He will not allow anyone else to curse them. And so we only like the story about the talking donkey because that's what kids like too. But there's a whole lot more to that whole story. The The thing about the donkey is just, um, it, it's Balaam's introduction, I think if I'm right, Balaam's introduction to Yahweh. It's like an angel of the Lord. Um, the donkey can see. And so the donkey stops and Balaam gets mad and slaps his donkey a bunch like you silly dumb donkey why don't you go where i want you to go and then um the lord opens the donkey's mouth and the donkey speaks hey there's an angel in front of me like what are you why are you doing this yeah, and why have you hit me three times like what yeah. have i done to you <laughs> yeah this isn't normal for me come on be nice to me and then then balak balaam's eyes see the angel too and from then on balaam can only speak what god puts in his mouth which is blessing and never curses for the people of israel so god's protecting Israel, even as they're just grumbling and griping about all their situations in, in the wilderness still. No, it's crazy. I think that's, that's one. Yeah. I'm always thinking then like, who, what did the voice sound like? I'm kind of picturing, <laughs> it's hard not to think of the donkey from Shrek, but I know I was going to say, <laughs> it's, it's got to be Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Shrek. <laughs> Do they go into a musical scene after that? Yeah. That's, you know, but in the whole, like, I would say my big takeaway, like listening to, you know, what you're talking about, Darren and Drew is like, how do you like, how do you know you're listening to the voice of God? Cause like there's two reports given and how many times in life there's a lot of hurdles where it's like, it's like narrow is the way, but then like, Hey, look, that road looks nice and paved and not many potholes and all these other things. Like, how do you know? Like, cause in today's, and like I would call it progressive Christianity, or in a lot of the self-help Christianity, you see a lot, it's at least with underlying tones, if not really outspoken is like, we're all, we have this divinity inside of us where we're self-divine. And then like, how do we know? And I don't think that's right, by the way, just to be clear. So like, but then we're also going like, how do we know we're listening to God's voice where like Darren made some good points in his sermon where it's like, if you only open up your Bible, dusting it off maybe once a week, it's like, are you really, you know, building a relationship? So like, how do you know it's not the bad case idea you had? Like it was a good case idea, but it's the consequences <laughs> may be bad. <laughs> so it's like, how do yeah. you, how do you know the difference between, you know, what's talking to you? What's the voice? Is it your own thoughts versus God's thoughts? Yeah. I think it has to come down to is what you're hearing consistent with what God has told you. And so God has told these Israelites for, a year now or more that he's going to he's going to lead them to the promised land. He's going to lead them to the land flowing with milk and honey, and that they need to trust him. They need to obey his commandments. And then they get these ten spies that come. Two of them say, "Hey, let's go. God's going to be with us. God's promise. He's going to be with us." And the other ten say, "Well, we can't go. They're too big. They're too strong. They're going to defeat us." And so at that point in time, the people of Israel listened to the wrong voice. But it was. It was the opposite of what God had been telling them the whole time. 
And so I think for you and I, the same goes, Rob. Like we feel like maybe God is leading us to, to do something, to go somewhere, to make a change, to have some kind of an action or a decision, but it's contrary to what God's word tells us, then, then that is, that's either our own desires, our own temptations, the enemy or that bad quesadilla <laughs> that's trying to get us to make that decision. It's contrary to the word of God. So I think God's word has to always be our filter. And so if the people of Israel would have said, okay, these 10 people are saying this one thing, but God has told us over and over again that he's going to deliver us and he's going to give us this land, then we're going to trust God. They would have made it to the promised land. Instead, they wandered for 40 years and suffered the consequences of their faithlessness. And so I think for us, it comes down to is what we're hearing consistent with what God has been telling us all along. So you're saying right and wrong is not always determined by popular vote. Correct. Exactly. The majority in the ten <laughs> may not be the right one. Yeah, the two might be by list, might be listening to God. Uh, one, my response to that is is a quote that I I cut out from my sermon. Um, it, it's it's from a comedian. Her name is Lily Tomlin. She says, "Why is it that when we speak to God, we're said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we're said to be schizophrenic?" It's like hearing voices <laughs> in your head is not a good thing in in our culture. And and um, Rob, you talked about having our own, like, wh- what culture is telling us is that we are our own gods, and we, like, I am the only one that I need to live up to. I think that puts an, an incredible amount of pressure on myself. Like, I have to find something within myself to to, to live up to, mm-hmm. and how, like, if I have naturally low self-esteem, that's never going to happen for me. Like, that's that's really that can be depressing and lead some people to dark places because we are not our own gods. Mm-hmm. We are always subject to external cultural factors. Why not convert those factors into factors that who God says we truly are in him? I think that's much more healthy for us. But anyway, as it, as it comes to praying, um, we, we really have to fight against that, what culture says, um, that like we can hear God's voice. I think most of the time, though, it's not going to be a real clear, like, clarion bell ringing out we're not going to get the the plane scribing the message in the sky what in my experience and this is why i I called us uh, on sunday to to spend more time with god because that's what he wants often if we only come to him once a month with some big decision that he wants that we want his input on what what he really wants is more of us and that's the share the story that i shared at the end about this couple who who instead of receiving an answer for financial advice they instead received an invitation to meet with God more often because that's really what he wants. He wants more of us. And what happens in those moments, this is my experience, that I naturally start to to become more like Jesus when I spend time with him. And that can be reading my Bible. But for me, the most impactful times I have is just when I sit and I listen and I let try to let God dictate the, the discussion. And so I, I've started to journal a bit more and I have a piece of paper in front of me where I write something down when I hear it and I kind of interact with that, ask God about it and, and work towards, towards that. And sometimes a random scripture will pop into my mind, but the, it's, it, that's not, that's not going to happen your first time. It, I hope it's encouraging that, that we continue to go back and the chances are that God will continue to speak to us more and more and we'll become more and more like him. And then naturally just start to know and do his will. We won't have to to go back and spend you know, a week of evenings in prayer, but we will naturally be able to walk in the path that he's laid out before us because we naturally feel it. We naturally know it. Now, Darren, question with the journaling stuff, because I've thought about doing it. That's about as close <laughs> as I've gotten to it. Um, yep. 
is because like what I've heard is like when you journal and then you look back because like in the day to day of life you kind yeah. of forget to see you see sometimes like oh God came through here God came through there but then when you look back and like say six months or a year of journaling I've been told that then you go hey look all these places where God's came through with what you know is that what you see is that what you've experienced or yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I'm not I'm not as intense of, you know, writing everything down like other people are. Sometimes it's just like conversations. And honestly, sometimes I do come to God. You know, when I prepare a sermon, I, I I like to come and say, God, really, what do, what do you want me to say? You know, how do you want me to apply this verse to, to the people that are listening? And sometimes I do come with a specific question, and sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm not sure if I really got an answer. <laughs> other times, all of a sudden, I start thinking about something later the next day. I was like, wait, God, is that you? Might might have been like I, I it's it's kind of difficult, but what you what you can see over time if you write some of those things down, you can definitely see how God works. So, I I used to be definitely in the camp of like oh, journaling's weird. I don't like to write things down. I have awful handwriting. I probably couldn't even read it anyway. Um, but it's it has been valuable. Oh, interesting, interesting. So as we wrap this up, Drew, any parting thoughts? You know, I think as we get to the end of the book of Exodus, you know, we have now gotten to the place where, you know, God has rescued his people, but because of their decisions now, they're going to wander for 40 years. And then um, starting next week, you know, as we continue the greater story, we go into uh, our next series, which is going to start in the book of Joshua. And we're going to see Israel, the next generation of Israel, and with Joshua as the leader, move into Canaan and now move into the promised land. Um, unfortunately, it isn't just a uh, a land of milk and honey and lollipops and rainbows. We see just the the, the people of, of Israel continue to struggle, and I think we see so much of our own story in theirs as well. So I, I'm really looking forward to to getting into that series. But I think what it comes down to is what we've been talking about today is how do we listen to the right voice? And and so Darren, I, I thought what you just shared there was really good. You know, for us, we have to know what God says, and God does speak to us in different ways through people. He speaks to us, obviously, through his word. Um, he speaks to us through our, our time in prayer and, and journaling. And, and, you know, he can bring so many different things to our mind. But if we're not meditating on God's word, as we see over and over again through the scriptures, then how are we going to know what God has to say? And I think what we're going to see is that Israel, the reason, one of the reasons they've been faithless is they just haven't spent time obeying God. And I think the challenge is for us is how do we just follow? How do we learn to really follow? And I think it's by being intentional. Um, and spending time listening to what God has to say. So we're going to see that play out a lot over the course of the next series. Uh, but there's just, you know, the, the idea is how, how do we become faithful people who learn to follow? And I think it's by learning to listen. No, interesting to us. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to the series on Joshua. If you have questions, send them to, send them to us here at life at forefrontchurch.tv or drop them off at the worship center in the boxes in the back with a communication card or however you want to drop it off. So, Pastor Darren Enns, I appreciate the time today. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Thanks, Drew. Pastor Drew Tarwater, thank you again. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. And I'm Rob Lazzi. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again next week. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. 
Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.